0: AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, a Grumman pilot neglects a checklist item and nearly pays a heavy price. Grab that pre-flight checklist and ride along in Get Me Home Clarence by Bob Lamberton. Friday night TV reruns were suddenly disrupted by my phone. Porterville AM wheels up. Nothing more was said. The message was understood. It meant my Dawn Patrol flight destination would be Porterville, California. Wheels up meant be there at sunup. Eight solid months as a private pilot had trained me to plot courses, draw on maps, and check weather forecasts. By 4 a.m. the following morning, I was deep into the AOPA website. I worked up several route options, checked weather, and searched for posted temporary flight restrictions. By 5 a.m., I had slipped past the gate and into Corona Municipal Airport. It would be a 10-minute flight to Riverside Municipal Airport, where I'd unite with my Dawn Patrol buddies. Fumbling in the dark alongside my recently purchased 1978 AA-1C Grumman, I blurted out, Wake up, Clarence! I named my airplane after the former owner. He had flown this little Grumman well past his 80th birthday. With yellow lights of the city twinkling and stars slowly fading above, I snapped out my weather request via cell phone. Weather-related, we did have a high situated over California, causing a slight east-to-west wind, the briefer said. When you get to Riverside Airport, expect a six-to-eight-knot wind from the east that will be building all day. The sun lay hidden just below the horizon. At my command, all 115 horses roared to life barreling down Runway 7. Houses and buildings slid beneath as we rose to enjoy the first rays of sun over California. Doing the usual announcements because the tower was still closed, I turned a one-mile final over the city of Riverside. All felt right, but I did keep my airspeed a touch higher than normal, remembering the promised tailwind that Clarence was now responding to. By the time I returned to the east side of the field, my friends were chomping to go. Once we had agreed on a route, I quickly fired up the airplane and chased the lead airplane to runway 25 for departure. The windsock indicated about a 7 to 9 knot tailwind from 080, but the runway was extremely long and a bit downhill. The outside temperature was cool, and I believed departure was no problem. The Cessna 140 ahead of me departed first. As the airplane lifted skyward, I took a running start onto runway 25 to gain some extra speed for liftoff. About midway down, things seemed responsive, and yet, something felt strange. Ah, tailwind. Let's stay on the ground here a bit longer and gain some more speed. I delicately lifted the nose again. The airplane pulled left. I waited a few moments and pulled the yoke back a bit harder. I seemed to almost drag Clarence into the air. However, my yoke pressure, for some reason, felt excessively heavy. Was something wrong? As the runway evaporated behind us, I noticed buildings ahead were not dropping beneath my forward view. What is going on here? I sputtered aloud. The instinct to pull back on the yoke was overpowering. My eyes darted across the panel. Airspeed was horrifically low and dropping. RPM had stopped at 2100. I was beginning to sink. Oh my gosh, I'm going in. I'm going in, I screamed. Fly, little buddy, fly. So many things rushed into my mind. How would this day end up? How will it feel to slam into something? What will they say about my crash? Honestly, I couldn't believe it was happening to me. Riverside traffic, Grumman 2-2 uniform, low power, is all I could transmit. As it happens, my former instructor was in his airplane and had been number three in our expedition that day. He was not only hearing, he was watching the whole thing from the ground. Trees and buildings were just ahead. Suddenly a hangar story flashed through my mind. One day my instructor had related that while training for some advanced flight certificate in a simulator, one of his twin engines lost power on takeoff. My instructor said that he just kept flying the airplane straight and level. He made no attempt to turn back. When I asked him why, he said, Why take a plane that's flying? and maybe even able to climb and attempt to change its attitude forget airspace ahead or the field behind you fly the plane i was now locked in a mortal battle between lift and drag i began to trade tiny bits of height for a knot more of airspeed my instructor had taught me this trick in our slow flight lessons Great at 3,000 feet, but at 130 feet, it was a nightmare. I was right on the edge of stall, and one mistake might send the airplane into hard ground. I slipped above the first buildings and trees, and then, as in past training and to my utter astonishment, the airplane began to rise. Just a bit at first, and then again a bit more. There's 200 feet now 220 seconds dragged by i was climbing with indicated airspeed under 70 knots a two-seat grumman with short wings below 70 knots in a climb with low power not good get me back clarence i said quietly please get me back frantically my eyes darted across dials switches and fuel knobs looking for anything that was not set correctly. At 350 feet and about three miles out, I began what I felt was a one-degree bank. I nudged Clarence slightly left, keeping an empty field below us. By 450 feet, and after about three more minutes, we had earned 130 degrees of turn. Can you make the field, too uniform? came my familiar, calm, experienced instructor's voice. "'I think I can, but won't leave this open area "'until I can get more altitude,' I mumbled back. "'Stay with it, tutu uniform. "'Just make the plane fly.'" Then for a moment, as I looked at the runway a mile ahead, tunnel vision began to clear. With 500 feet below me, an airspeed now nearing 80 knots, I took my first few breaths of safety. We touched down past the numbers. Thank you, Clarence. As I began a slow taxi back to my starting point, I mentally reviewed emergency procedures. Fly the airplane, check. Start on the left, check. Work to the right, check. Fuel pump, gas lever setting, and then, whoops. I looked down through the oak and saw something glinting in the morning sun. Bingo, my keys. In my rush to be number two off of the field that morning, I'd sacrificed my checklist and forgot to make sure my key position was on both. A slight click to the right with two fingers was all it took. The engine roared back to life again. Fellow aviators, someday slow flight may be all you and your airplane have going for one another. If done correctly, you can earn the critical time needed to do the next right thing. So, if and when things get sweaty up there, just make that airplane fly. It will do the rest. The Never Again podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing never again into the search box. While you're there, check out the AOPA mobile app, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earle. Thanks for listening. Fly safely.